Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA as a first-time lawyer. I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now. M-S-W Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, January 12th, 2024. Today, Trump actually spoke in court for about five minutes today and may have shot himself in the foot in doing so. An Ohio woman who miscarried at home will not be charged by a grand jury. A Maryland elections board member has been charged for his role on January 6th. A Moms for Liberty school board member has been arrested for shoplifting at Target. An attorney for Mark Fincham has been sanctioned and is being forced to retire. The No Labels Party has reached out to Chris Christie to see if he wants to run on their ticket. Dead voters' names have been found on Vivek Ramaswamy's candidacy paperwork. And a Maryland man has been sentenced for issuing death threats to an LGBTQI plus advocacy group. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, my friend. As you know, we record this show on Thursday. Still haven't seen the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals decision in the Trump immunity case. I am refreshing my pacer as fervently as possible, and we'll get that news to you as soon as it comes out. Later in the show today, we're going to be joined by John Fugelsang, because it's Fugelsang Fridays, so I'm excited about that. Um, how how was your week? Uh, heading into the weekend, you got any fun plans or anything? 
Uh, no, <laughs> Actually, I, don't, I don't have any fun plans for the weekend. So hopefully that'll change. But you know what? I feel like I haven't been able to stop since the year started. So I do not mind a quiet weekend. Uh, it will be nice. Yeah, I'll, I'll be flying to New York. So I probably won't have a quiet weekend. True. Um, but, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of relaxing time, maybe on Saturday for a minute. So it'll be nice. Um, we have, uh, you know, <laughs> the reason none of us have s- sat still since the new year, I mean, besides, you know, just being busy with our, with our other work is that the news has not stopped and it, it, it that, ki- that, that trend continues today. And so of course we have some quick hits. And to make a long story short. All right. Donald Trump actually spoke for a few minutes today in the New York attorney general civil fraud trial closing arguments without permission. His lawyer, Chris Keyes asked judge Angoron if Trump could speak. And the judge said, well, are you going to agree to the rules? To which then Donald just jumped up and launched into a tirade, airing all of his grievances. (laughs) But uh, he may have shot himself in the foot by admitting the error that he tripled the size of his Manhattan apartment. Oops. (laughs) And then also probably heading off any appeals at the pass. Uh, We'll see how this legally hurts him when we get the decision, which is supposed to, we're supposed to get that from Judge Angoron before the end of this month. Pete and I will go over the entire rant, why the judge may let may have let him do it, and the legal implications on the next week's, next week's episode of Clean Up on Aisle 45 that comes out on Wednesday. We'll also have a great guest this week on that, on that podcast, and that is one of the attorneys representing Ruby Freeman and Shay Moss in the Rudy Giuliani defamation case. So you don't want to miss it. All right, AG, and a member of the Maryland State Board of Elections, they resigned after being charged this week with a felony and multiple misdemeanor counts for allegedly joining an effort to breach the Senate wing doors on January 6th. Mm. Carlos Ayala, Ayala, who's 52, of Salisbury, was appointed as a Republican member of the board last year. Well, on Monday, a felony charge of civil disorder and four misdemeanor counts were unsealed against him in D.C. District Court. On Thursday, the chairman of the state elections board confirmed that he had resigned his post. Oh, bye. (laughs) That was it. Bye. Find out, Bill. Uh, And from the AZ Mirror, more finding out. An attorney who represented the former Republican lawmaker Mark Fincham. That's one of the, you know, the the Mark Fincham, Carrie Lake group in an election contest that baselessly claimed fraud has been sanctioned and ordered to retire as a lawyer for at least one year. Cave Creek attorney Daniel McCauley, a lawyer with no experience in election law, represented the former Oro Valley legislator in contesting Fincham's election loss. He lost a lot, and he and Fincham claimed that Adrian Fontes, who defeated Fincham in the 2022 Secretary of State race, only won because of election malfeasance at the hands of Maricopa County and then Secretary of State Katie Hobbs. However, the two men provided no evidence that anything affected the outcome of the election. So he's gone too. Okay. And from NBC, no labels. You know, that political organization seeking to put together a bipartisan third-party presidential ticket for 2024. Well, they has actively engaged with allies of Chris Christie about his potential interest in joining the group's ticket. On Wednesday, just days before the Iowa caucuses, the former New Jersey governor made this stunning, really, was it stunning announcement? Was it stunning? That he would exit the race for the Republican presidential nomination, despite having defiantly resisted suggestions to drop out. Now, these conversations all happened before Christie dropped out on Wednesday, and some of them occurred in recent weeks. Now, that is according to sources that are familiar with the story. So we're going to keep you updated on that. 
Yeah, a couple of reporters have said they've asked Christy recently if he planned on joining the No Labels Party, and they said no. And, you know, I was a little worried about the No Labels Party, but not so much if they're trying to get Chris Christie to seriously join the ticket. I thought they would get like a Liz Cheney or some. I don't know. But, you know, if he, 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 he promised in his little farewell speech that he would do everything he can to keep Trump from office and joining the No Labels Party would not be in the interest of keeping Trump out of the White House. So hopefully he will disregard those invitations. All right. We have a lot of news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. First up from Julie Carr Smith at the Associated Press. And thank God for this. An Ohio woman who was facing a criminal charge for her handling of a home miscarriage will not be indicted. That's a no bill from a grand jury on Thursday. The Trumbull County Prosecutor's Office said the grand jurors declined to return an indictment for abuse of a corpse against Brittany Watts, 34-year-old woman of Warren, Ohio, resolving a case that had sparked national attention for its implications for pregnant women as states across the country hash out new laws governing reproductive health care access. A municipal judge had found probable cause to bind over Watts's case. That was after a city prosecutor said she miscarried, flushed, and then scooped out the toilet and left the house, leaving the 22-week-old fetus lodged in the pipes. Her attorney told the judge that Watts had no criminal record and was being demonized for something that goes on every day. An autopsy determined the fetus died in utero and identified no recent injuries, unquote. Watts had visited Mercy Health St. Joseph's Hospital, a Catholic facility in Working Class Warren, about 60 miles southeast of Cleveland. Twice she visited there in the days leading up to her miscarriage. Her doctor had told her she was carrying a non-viable fetus and to have her labor induced or risk significant risk of death. And that's according to records of her case. Due to delays at the hospital and other complications, legal, her attorney said she left each time without being treated. After she miscarried, she tried to go to a hair appointment, but friends sent her to the hospital instead, and a nurse called 911 to report a previously pregnant patient had returned, recording the babies in the backyard. The call launched a police investigation that led to the eventual charge against Watts, but now she has been cleared of of wrongdoing by a grand jury of her peers who returned no bill, no indictment. They're not going to charge her with a crime. Good. Thank you so much, AG. And this is the one that you're going to file under stunning hypocrisy, but not really. This is from John Russell at LGBTQ Nation. Well, a Moms for Liberty back school board member in Tennessee resigned this week after she was arrested for shoplifting from her local Target. I'm only surprised it wasn't the Walmart. According to multiple local news outlets, 43-year-old Carrie Blair was a little over a year into her first term on Collierville School Board after being elected in November of 2022 when she abruptly resigned on Tuesday, citing, and I quote, personal family reasons. Mm. Apparently, they don't like when she steals either. Blair was arrested on January 5th and charged with seven counts of theft of property. Local ABC affiliate WATN reports that she was caught on security camera skip scanning items at the self-checkout at her local Target store in Collierville, Tennessee on seven, seven separate occasions between November 25th and December 20th. That's according to Los Angeles Blade and the stolen items ranged in price from $63 to $140 and they totaled $728 and about 61 cents. Now, Collierville police launched an investigation on December 27th, leading to Blair's arrest last week, and she was released on a $75,000 bond. (laughs) That's a lot more than $728, I'll tell you that. (laughs) Target reportedly intends to push for prosecution of the thefts. 
Notably, anti-LGBTQ plus conservatives have called for boycotts of the retailer over its pride merchandise and LGBTQ plus themed holiday items. Now, in a statement posted to Facebook on Wednesday, Collierville Schools said that school board chairman Wright Cox received notice of Blair's resignation on Tuesday. And from the statement, it said Chairman Cox wishes to express his thanks for Miss Blair's service to the community, <laughs> except that stealing part, and her commitment to the public education in Collierville. After rapidly growing in prominence over the last couple of years, this right-wing organization that falsely characterizes LGBTQ plus inclusion in education is grooming and sexualization. Well, they have faced multiple scandals in recent months. Uh, In November, it was revealed that the group's Philadelphia chapter had hired convicted sex offender Philip Fisher Jr. to handle, get ready for this, its religious outreach. In 2011, Fisher was indicted on 12 counts of sexual assault and sexual abuse for allegedly sexually abusing a 14-year-old boy. He pleaded guilty in 2012 to one count of aggravated criminal sexual abuse of a minor between the ages of 13 and 17. Just that's the guy they hired for religious outreach. Yep. Uh huh. Then early last month, one of the group's co-founders, we've been talking about this for months. That's Bridget Ziegler. She's the one that quietly, they removed her from her position as the director of the school board leadership program at the leadership Institute after her husband, you know, he, that guy, the the Florida Republican chair, uh, Christian Ziegler was accused of sexual assault by a woman with whom they both had sexual involvement and the Sarasota School Board, of which Bridget Ziegler serves, they also voted unanimously for her to resign. These scandals follow notable losses, by the way, for the group and school board races across the country this past November. So they're losing their seats. It's a lot. So NRA and Moms for Liberty going the way of the dodo. Good. Uh, oh, hey, and we found some voter fraud. Check this out from Sky Palma at Raw Story. Rhode Island election officials found dead people's names on nomination papers submitted by conservative presidential hopeful Vivek Ramaswamy. That's according to the Boston Globe on Thursday. According to the Warwick Board of Canvassers, several deceased voters were found on Ramaswamy's nomination papers. It also said it invalidated the unusually high number of signatures on his nomination papers. Quote, the Board of Elections asked for local boards of canvassers to be extra vigilant and to notify them if they see patterns of fraudulent signatures. That's from State Board Election spokesperson Ben Smith talking to the paper. Quote, they were asked to take a closer look at all nomination papers, and in this case, the nomination papers for Ramaswamy. A spokesperson for the Ramaswamy campaign told Boston Globe um, that this is definitely a conspiracy theory. (laughs) Basically, he said that an outside vendor collected nomination signatures. Uh, an in- internal investigation found the names had been added intentionally by one of the vendor's employees who has since been fired. That's according to Vivek's spokesperson. As the Globe points out, the deadlines for candidates to submit nomination papers to the local boards of canvassers is 4 p.m. Thursday. Uh, and from uh, Christina Hall at the Detroit Free Press, by the way, more voter fraud. Two former Republican gubernatorial candidates and a political consultant were among the witnesses at a preliminary exam on Wednesday for a trio charged in connection with fraudulent nominating petition signatures that resulted in the disqualification of five, count them, five Republican candidates for governor in 2022. <laughs> Former Detroit Police Chief James Craig and Donna Brandenburg, who were running for governor, and political consultant John Yob 
who owns Strategic National, were among nine witnesses called by prosecutors with the Michigan Attorney General's office during the day-long exam. Go Dana Nessel. Sean Wilmoth, 36, and his wife Jamie were both uh, from Warren, and Willie Reed, uh, 38 of Florida, appeared in 37th District Court in Warren, each facing more than two dozen charges for the first day of their exam. Testimony resumes Thursday afternoon, is expected to go into Friday before Judge John Chimura. State prosecutors filed charges in June. The Wilmoths and Reed are accused of operating a criminal enterprise that charged the campaigns more than $700,000 for valid signature collection, then delivered thousands of forged signatures on nomination petitions to eight of the campaigns. Sean Wilmoth and Reed face 27 counts, while Wilmoth is charged with 25. The charges for all include conducting a criminal enterprise, false pretenses, computer fraud, election law forgery. Uh, that's just to name a few. Sean Wilmoth and Reed also face larceny by conversion charges, accused of theft from the gubernatorial campaign of Ryan Kelly. The trio accused of defrauding the 2022 gubernatorial campaigns of Craig Brandenburg, Perry Johnson, Michael Brown, and Michael Markey, are, and judicial candidates Trisha Dare, John Kahalan, I think that's how you say it, and John Michael Malone. The forgeries were detected by the Michigan Bureau of Elections, and it was determined the campaigns of Craig, Brandenburg, Johnson, Brown, Markey, Dare, and Malone had not actually met the qualifications to appear on the ballot. The Michigan Department of State referred the matter to the Attorney General's office in June of 2022, and here we are. Okay. Last in this segment, this is from the Department of Justice's website. Now, a Maryland man, he was sentenced today, two years in prison, along with three years of supervised release for making death threats and other calls of violence against a group that advocates for the LGBTQI plus community. According to the evidence presented by the government at today's sentencing hearing, Adam Michael Natina, he's 34, he lives in West Friendship, ironic, also sent threatening messages to Maryland and Virginia state delegates due to their support of transgender people. And this is a quote, this defendant targeted and threatened members of the LGBTQI plus community and their allies instilling fear and promoting violence toward a heavily targeted community. That's from Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark of the Justice Department's Civil Rights Division. She went on to say the sentence underscores the Justice Department's commitment to combating threats against public officials and protecting communities. We will work tirelessly to expunge the growing threat posed by bias-motivated acts of violence directed at the LGBTQI plus community and their allies. Hmm. And then another quote, this is from someone very different. You have the right to your own opinions, but you don't have the right to threaten the lives of those who disagree with you. As this case demonstrates, free speech does not include violent threats against others. That was from U.S. Attorney Eric Barron. He's from the District of Maryland and went on to say, we'll continue prosecuting these threats to the fullest extent of the law. And we've got someone from the FBI saying threats of violence made against people and organizations to instill fear will not be tolerated. That's acting special agent in charge, R. Joseph Rothrock. He's the FBI Baltimore field office. He went on to say the FBI will continue to work diligently to ensure the civil rights of all Americans are protected. Well, according to court documents on the evening of March 28, 2023, the victim organization received threatening voicemail from a phone number, which investigators identified as belonging to Natina. Now, the message referenced the March 27, 2023 mass shooting at a school in Nashville, Tennessee, involving multiple shooting fatalities where police did identify the perpetrator as a transgender woman. Well, during the call, numerous threats were made, including 
and this is just a, a trigger warning here. If you'd like to pause, um, just I want to get it in there, give you a moment. It's, it involves violent threats against the community and their graphic. And this is the first one. This is the quote. We'll cut their throats. We'll put a bullet in your head. You're going to kill us. We're going to kill you 10 times more in full. Now, Natina admitted that he left this voicemail for the purpose of issuing a threat and with the knowledge that the voicemail would be viewed as a threat. Bizarre. Further, it intentionally selected the advocacy organization as a target of his message because of the actual and perceived gender, gender identity, or sexual orientation of the people who work there and are assisted by the organization. As detailed in his plea agreement on March 31st of 2022, a Maryland state delegate posted a message of support on social media in honor of Trans Day of Visibility. Well, Natina responded on social media later that day, which stated, among other things, that he had begun the formal process of getting you excommunicated from the Catholic Church. Well, on November 8th of 2022, the delegate was reelected. Now, Natina sent the delegate another message on social media stating, and I quote, baby killing terrorist, enjoy hell. You're going sooner than you think. I don't know why that wasn't enough, by the way, to get this guy flagged. Now, finally, and maybe it was, I don't know. Finally, as outlined in the court documents on October 13th of 2022, an online news story was published about an interview of Virginia State Delegate Gave, in which she advocated for the prevention of abuse towards transgender children. Two days later, October 15th of 2022, Natina, same guy, sent an email to the delegate's press email account stating, and I quote, this delegate is a terrorist. You are a terrorist. You deserve to be shot and hung in the streets. You want to come after people? Don't go. Let's go, bitch. That's what Natina also sent a similar message to another email address of the delegate two minutes later. Natina intentionally selected the delegate and her campaign staff as a recipient of this email because of the actual, like I said, and perceived gender, gender identity, and sexual orientation of the people and constituents for whom the delegate has expressed support. Why this went on for so fucking long without this person getting in trouble beyond me, beyond well, me. He, they were arrested pretty quickly after that. Okay. Were, the, today was the sentencing. Okay. Thank so you, they, AG. I yep, just, yep. <laughs> yeah, and he, you know, he he's pled uh, and admitted to all this and was sentenced to two plus years and three years of supervision. Yeah. I think the sentence should have been longer, but... Um, all right. It's just, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 I saw March 31st and I saw like October 15th and I was like, why the fuck six right. months? But yeah. And yeah. And then back in 2022. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That's just, yeah, I mean, these things just take so long. Um, disgusting. And, uh, I'm very glad that the department of justice is doing something about it, particularly the civil rights division. Um, so thank them for that. All right, everybody. It is Fugelsang Friday, which means we're going to talk to John Fugelsang. And then as soon as we're done talking to him, we're going to get to the good news, but we have to take a quick break. So stick around. We'll be right back. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. As you know, it's Friday. That means it's Fugelsang Fridays. And of course, we are joined by the host of the Tell Me Everything show on Sirius XM Progress Channel 127 weeknights, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. And of course, he's got his own podcast if you don't subscribe to Sirius XM. And uh, you can get that wherever you get your podcast called The John Fugelsang Show. Please welcome John Fugelsang. How many times can I say your name? Allison Gill. Uh, listen, you say it so effortlessly. It's amazing. <laughs> Al Sharpton once mispronounced my name three different ways in one show. So you're doing great. Fuglesong? <laughs> uh, I had a, I had a, a, a Fuglesong. 
I had a uh, a fusil gang that happens a lot, and then I had a a, a fugu song, which is my cousin from Taiwan, but I go with it, and and he apologized. So so just so you know, uh, Reverend Al did did, <laughs> did make Reverend it right. Al. Yes. Oh well, it's tough. It's tough being a being a white man with an ethnic name in this country. That's all I can say. <laughs> yeah, and of course, uh, uh, what is his show on politics? I think he does on the weekend. Politics, politics Nation. Nation. Politics Al Nation. Al Sharpton, the Rev. Yeah. Yeah. Very fascinating. Uh, you've had so many incredible guests on that show. And I know you've got some more coming up. We'll talk about that in a minute. But first, I wanted to talk to you about this debate, right? We didn't have Vivek. We didn't have Chris Christie because he <laughs> dropped out. We only had DeSantis mm -hmm. and Nikki Haley. And even their zingers just didn't make any sense to me. You can take the ambassador out of the UN, but you can't take the UN out of the ambassador. Wasn't it painful? I don't even get Wasn't it painful? You can't take what he got applause for that. Oh, he got applause from the Ron DeSantis shills that were in the audience painted into their seats. This was like watching Bill de Blasio in the 2020 debates. You remember Bill de Blasio in the 20? God help that poor man. I will never say a cruel thing about Bill de Blasio. He had these zingers that he had tried out on his staff and they all laughed really loud. And he would come out there and he would hold on to them. And then Bill de Blasio would just let his zinger fly. And in every Democratic debate you saw, it was it was like he told a Holocaust joke in Temple. It was just like completely. Complete silence. So, I mean, the, the audience was like an oil painting. I'm, I'm not surprised. It literally gave me painful, cringy flashbacks feeling sorry for de Blasio. Ron DeSantis has just, he won't stop showing he's not ready for this. And he looks like he just stole Pee Wee Herman's bike. Come on, Allison. He looks like Francis from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. I know you are, Pee Wee, but what am I? I know you're woke, but what am I? <laughs> Wait, I, I want to recreate the bathtub scene uh, in, in my mind. And I think the thing that surprised me the most, well, not really, actually, was uh, uh, Dana Bash and Jake Tapper just asking these questions, softball questions, based in non-reality um now i mean some of them yeah. were okay but like uh you know and, but there was no fact checking in real time i'm not sure why not but you're not you're not sure why not <laughs> well <laughs> because they'd never get the bookings again mm -hmm. they'd never get if they corrected them on their lies they wouldn't be able to get a repeat booking this is how our media works they have to trade information for access and you learn early on and i speak from some bit of experience in corporate tv media uh if you ask the hard questions you burn a contact you'll never book them again so they have to do the softballs and in fairness allison why not why risk letting that broadcast become relevant? I mean, wh wh why why take the chance? This is Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley uh, both locked in a bitter battle to see who will be a distant <laughs> second. And only one can be a distant mm. number two. So the entire thing is, a. and if that's not enough proof that it's a waste of time, both of these non-entities on the stage last night have said that they would vote for Donald Trump, even if he was a convicted felon. Sununu said it on TV. Right. Sununu, who talks such a good game about Trump, but he said he would support Trump if he was the nominee, even if he's a convicted felon. Chris Christie dropped out yesterday, said he couldn't endorse either one of them, but it's really important Trump's not president. And it's like, well, Chris, if it's important Trump's not president, then you have to endorse Joe and he Biden. Can't endorse if you the don't other, endorse Joe Biden, he can, yeah, he can't he can, endorse the other ones yeah. now because he was caught in a hot mic, uh, slamming them both. Like exactly. it's going to be real hard for him to come out and say, "I back Nikki Haley," when everyone's like, "Well, didn't you say she was going to get smoked?" 
This is the rock bottom. I mean, like Mitt Romney would probably vote for Donald Trump, too. You know, these pundits, they, they, they'll say he asked. Oh, they have to say that. They have to say that. But no, no, there's been so much damage done to our country. These two are up there pretending to oppose Trump. And Nikki Haley's the worst. She's been auditioning for vice president from day one. Uh, and, you know, it is a pleasure watching DeSantis just implode and crumble. I mean, my God, he's like every side effect of Ambien happening all at once in one person. It's just insane. He's like the Rick Perry of George W. Bush's and the George W. Bush of Scott Walker's. He's just so awful. But um, the entire thing was pointless. Donald Trump did what he does best, upstage everyone and went on Fox and got all the headlines. Mm. I mean, it, it was there are human appendixes that have more function than that debate on CNN last night. And I thought I thought the anchor seemed a bit embarrassed to be there. Uh, yeah, at least I hope so. Um, but the, at least that we have some uh, saving grace in our corporate television media. I saw you on Stephanie Rule, was it? And what yes. an incredible conversation that was, that roundtable. And, and uh, Ooh. I, Ooh, I got a lot of trouble. You for got that. in a lot of trouble Allison. for that. Ooh, the death threats uh. I've gotten from 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 good Christian folk. Yeah, that was a it was a primetime uh, year in review show. Stephanie Rule did uh, right before Christmas. And they they normally say, who's the MVP of the week? But this time they were like, who do you want to leave behind? And I said, I want to leave behind the Christian nationalists. I want to leave behind the fundamentalists, all these flock fleecing fraud Pharisees. Um, that's what my book is about. And my book is called Separation of Church and Hate. And it's how to call out these frauds and uh, even for atheists. And um, let me just tell you, there's some Christians out there who just eat, drink and sleep hate. And uh, man, I, I got I mean, I got a lot of love from people and a lot of lovely retweets. But whoa, if you actually try to engage these people on what's in this Bible, they pretend to follow. They will show you how much they don't yeah, follow. it. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, but I thought it was a wonderful conversation. And so I'm so grateful. Uh, Thank you. Much love to Stephanie Rule. Also, the one thing that both Nikki Haley and. Ron DeSantis said that I was like, I'm on board with that, was that Trump's immunity argument that he can have SEAL Team 6 assassinate a political enemy and and have total immunity unless he's, uh, you know, impeached and convicted by the Senate. Uh, they both said that's a ridiculous argument. And I was like, all right, well, at least there's that. Uh, and, and that was pretty much the only thing I walked away from that debate with was like, OK, well, I I can yeah. I can get behind that. I agree with that because that They're that right. immunity hearing was absolutely uh, devastating to Donald Trump's Wasn't case. Wasn't it amazing? Wasn't it amazing? I mean, this is their legal argument. Imagine how much Donald Trump paid an impeachment lawyer to say you can't impeach a man who's left office. You have to you have the courts do that. And now he's paying a court lawyer to say, you can't use the courts. You should have impeached him. I mean, it, the founders, you see, the founding fathers really wanted us to have a president who was above the law because they secretly missed having a king. And that's the argument they're making. If you're debating this with a with a Trump supporter, I, I don't think you should say, you know, could Donald Trump send SEAL Team 6 to kill his opponent and then threaten to kill senators so they won't impeach him? You got to say, could Joe Biden send SEAL Team 6 to kill Donald Trump? and then threaten the lives of senators so they couldn't impeach him because that's the argument they're making. The same people with this hand who want to impeach Joe Biden for crimes in office while he was vice president are saying uh, if the president's got an R after his name, he can't commit crimes. <laughs> this party, Allison, has gone from I am not a crook to a crook is not a crook. Right. Yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, as I've said multiple times on the show and on Twitter, I've, I've read all the filings. He's not he's not arguing that he's innocent of the crimes. He's arguing that uh, he, he he's above the law. Um, That's and it. that these are not crimes. They're crimes for anybody else except for him. 
Now you're getting it. There you go. Very oh, good. You. I mean, he, he and he's saying that this is all part of his official duties. I'm pretty sure making fake electors <laughs> and asking a secretary of state to find 11,000 votes is not an official duty. And I'm pretty sure that's not an investigation into election fraud. No, either. SCOTUS has said multiple times that uh, presidents, executives have no business administering, overseeing anything that has to do with elections. Those belong to the states. They said it in uh, Sandlin. They said it in Morvey Harper, the one we were all worried about that would give the power to the lead state legislatures to overrule the voters. Um, they've That's said right. it in Mazar. Uh, <laughs> they've said it multiple times in multiple uh, rulings. Um, I, and I don't know that the Supreme Court's even going to hear this case now that Judge Pan You're has right. boiled down his argument to simply in the uh, impeachment clause and the double jeopardy impeachment clause. Masterful. So, so masterful. We're going to talk about that masterful. in detail on Jack uh, this weekend. And then, you know, we, we get to uh, more uh, Christian nationalists with Mike Johnson, who is now, you know, not going to do the he's b trying to pull the rug out from under the continuing resolution that uh, that was going to be yep. set. They couldn't even vote on a rule. The Republicans, the, the MAGA Republicans, 12 of them in the House uh, tanked that it is they can't get anything done. They they aren't there to govern anyway. And then, of course, yesterday we had That's that right. incredible hearing where Hunter Biden showed up and says, I'm ready to testify publicly like Comer asked me to. What a week. What and a then week. right before Marjorie Taylor Greene gets her chance to to speak, I love this, that that Hunter Biden walked out, stood up, walked out, said, we're going to go give a statement out front of the building and brought all the press with him. That's right. Beautiful. <laughs> and, and good for him, by the way. Good for him. Like, you know, look, my attitude about Hunter Biden is uh, go ahead and prosecute him. If he broke the law, throw him in a deep, dark hole. It's nice to not be in a cult. So I'm cheering for the guy. What was he did was beautiful. Switch the genders. If it had been a male congressman who showed naked photos of any woman in the world on national television, mm. why would that woman have to subject herself to sitting there and listening to that mediocre male congressman talk? I mean, exactly right. I was on my I was standing up cheering for Hunter Biden. I hope he sues all of them. And if he's guilty, I hope he goes to jail. But it's really nice knowing how much the Republican Party cares about tax evasion, uh, taking bribes from foreign governments, and uh, not properly registering guns. <laughs> I know those are the three issues they care most about this and, and Trump kind of threw the House Republicans under the bus in his little town hall uh, when he said, yeah, I took $8 million from foreign governments. I don't work for free. Uh, I, I was like, wow, you just... On the completely payroll. ripped the the only argument that they possibly had for going after Hunter That's Biden's it. dad paying for his truck uh, to, you know, to yeah. to say, um, OK, well, now your guy, the guy who is using you, House Republicans, as a de facto attorney law firm to defend him uh, in, in a public setting because you can't do it in the DOJ. You can't lie to the DOJ and you can't lie to the courts. So here you are lying in Congress. So he had a secret Chinese bank account, took $7 million in pay from 20 different countries working for other governments while he was our president. And Jimmy Carter had to give up a peanut, peanut farm. farm. Jimmy Carter gave up a peanut farm. And Franklin farm. gave up a Allison, snuff box. <laughs> they could have impeached Donald Trump one minute into his inaugural address in 2017 for violating the emoluments clause, both domestic and foreign. But again, this is a Republican Party. They don't care about the Constitution. They don't care about the Bible. They don't care about illegal immigration. They don't care about abortion. They don't care about trans kids playing sports. They care about power. 
and they will exploit, use, or say anything to get it. But they don't care about any of these things. And by the way, you're right about Trump, but you left off the fact that he threw the nation under the bus because he's really, really rooting for a crash in our economy before this November so he doesn't have to be Herbert Hoover. Guess what, bro? Herbert Hoover deported a million Mexicans. Herbert Hoover had a stupid trade war with tariffs that hurt our economy. But Herbert Hoover only had 11 million lost jobs. You had 22 million, Trump. Herbert Hoover doesn't want to be you. <laughs> yeah, flip the script. Right. Uh, one last thing, and this is off topic. Of, of, well, kind of off, off topic, but I wanted to ask you, our uh, resident expert in, uh, in all things religion, the Pope oh, this my. week is condemning surrogacy, yes. which is weird to me because I'm pretty sure Mary was a surrogate, but I'm not sure. Fill me in. Well, uh, I hear this argument a lot. I don't actually think Mary was a surrogate. I like the joke, but uh, <laughs> I don't think she was. I think uh, I do appreciate the humor, but Mary was more. Mary was an unwed pregnant teenager. <laughs> who found a nice guy willing to raise the baby as his own. But Mary was a mom. She raised the baby as her own. Uh, let's just say the biological wasn't around. So um, it's awkward because recently Pope Francis has been so awesome on so many things, right? I mean, he he approved priests blessing same-sex couples. He's been terrific on Israel and Hamas, amazing on migration, amazing on the climate crisis. And, you know, the best thing about Joe Biden is who hates him. And I feel exactly the same way about this pope. All the meanest, most corrosively fake Christians in America can't stand this guy. So I know he's doing something right. But um, I, I, I still, you know, in the abortion camp, again, the Bible's not against abortion. Jesus is not against abortion. Never had, never comes up. But I'm pretty much still on the side of uh, it's none of my business what women do with their bodies. I, I, Francis has made this argument before. And he wants it to be banned worldwide. And he said that children, unborn children, should not be turned into an object of trafficking. And we all agree on this. A number of uh, countries have declared uh, paid surrogacy illegal. Um, Italy's done it. Michigan's done it. Nebraska, Louisiana. And again, Francis came out two years ago and called this uterus for rent, which was the name of my podcast. I thought it was pretty <laughs> funny. Um, he, he didn't specify, specify which surrogacy, gestational or traditional, he doesn't like. But it's 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 deeply shitty. I mean, he can come out and say a child is always a gift and never the basis of a commercial contract. But I also remember the church telling me that God makes no mistakes. Mm. And this practice of surrogacy, while yes, it may harm poor women, it exploits poor women. Some people will do it to try to climb out of poverty. But it also gives all kinds of women a chance to offer children to people who can't have them themselves and can't conceive under the legal protection of a commercial contract. It's not trafficking. It's not babies for sale. And I, I strongly support Pope Francis never having to rent out his uterus. He shouldn't do it. But the Vatican already says, Allison, that children born by, by a surrogacy can be baptized. Oh. So this is a little bit of double talk and jive. They for can. Me. I didn't realize they that. can. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, you know, and, and again, the Vatican was against in vitro fertilization when that was introduced in 1978. 12 million IVF babies later, I, I, I guess God changed his mind about this. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's just this is the same church taking on human trafficking when this church literally sold Irish babies to Christians in the UK and the US for decades from the Magdalena laundries. So this is another example of Francis, I appreciate how you feel about this, but maybe look at your own house uh, first. That's always kind of what it boils down to. Um, and you know, I, I disagree as well, but I, I will say he's a far cry uh, better than the last Pope. So 
Oh, he's no, he's he's terrific. And I love him. And he's just so right on so many things. But, you know, I mean, make up your mind, Francis, are women incubators or are they not? Come on, come down on one team on this. Pick a side, my friend, pick a side. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for joining me today and, and every Friday on The Beans for Fugle Sang Friday. Thank you, Alison Gill. Oh, you're the best. Thanks for doing a great show that I love and that makes me feel smarter and more moral every week. I appreciate Same, that. Right back at you. Speaking of that show, it's called Tell Me yeah. Everything. It's on Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127, every weeknight, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. And if you don't have Sirius, you can listen to him at the John Fugelsang Show, wherever you get your podcasts. My friend, John Fugelsang, thank you again for joining me today. Allison, thank you. And the only difference between Jim Jordan and Michael Mike Johnson is that Mike Johnson has access to a sports coat. That's it. They're the access. same. It's sports coat access that, that makes all the difference. <laughs> it's just the access is all we're talking about. Just access. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, Good news. Good and if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want us to guess the breed and or kind of animal, maybe that, you know what we should do, Dana, is just guess the color. <laughs> I think um, that animal's black. <laughs> the animal, but you have to send a photo in. Um, I think we might actually be able to get those correct. Uh, anything you want to send us there, if you have a shout out to a loved one or yourself or your small business or a small business in your community that you want to give a shout out to. If you don't have pod pet tax to pay us, you can always send an adoptable pet in your area. And we'll see if we can help get that little fella adopted. Um, what else? Dissertation, theses, titles, frog orgies, uh, baby photos, happy places, anything at all. Wooby stories. I love Wooby stories. Send those in to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. All right. First up, names for naming animals from Terry. Here's a suggestion for the Name That Animal series to the tune of Don't You Forget About Me is Can You Identify Me? <laughs> Thank you for making <laughs> me laugh and helping keep me sane. George says, I've got the collective name for your animal ID creature feature, to construe who's who in the zoo review. Ah, that's very nice. P.S. I never had a clue. You two knew so much, so, knew such a slew. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of, uh, what's that movie with uh, uh, Adam Sandler where he's golfing? Ha um, Happy Gilmore. Happy right? Gilmore. Maybe I'll go mold things with clay or lay it by the bay. I just may. Yeah. Next from J.F., he and him suggest I want to be as inclusive as possible. So my first thought was guesstimate the vertebrate, but I don't want to exclude listeners with ant farms or pet tarantulas. So then I thought inform <laughs> the life form, but that doesn't quite make sense. Feature the creature came to mind, but missing the guessing element. So in the end, I settled for a vote on the eucarote, eucaryote, hoping that none of your listeners are breeding bacterial colonies. That would probably mean they are bioterrorists. <laughs> Cheers from Montreal kiss hug peter suggests how about menage a quoi huh, okay interesting all right i feel like jf is way smarter than i am i got yeah. about half of what he was talking about eukaryote i don't know what that i have to look that up vote on yeah. the eukaryote i guess that's everything but a bacterial colony <laughs> i don't know <laughs> there you have it all right this is from maria pronoun she and her hi g and dg i'm a listener since the kitchen table days mm -hmm. i listen to you every morning as i drive to school i'm a literacy specialist in new york 
Oh God, I hope she's not horrified by me. A Latina and the first person in my family to go to college. I finished my PhD at 50 and as a single mom, I had to take out many student loans. The public worker debt relief program allowed me to get rid of 44,000 in student loan debt. Maria, this is awesome. My dissertation title, The Effect of Text Complexity on the Oral Reading Prosody of Fifth Grade Readers. And there's a, this is helpful. Prosody is the changes in pitch and rhythm that allows our brain to understand reading as speech. Whoa. That's cool. That's cool what AF. I, right? What I found was that the harder the text is, the more prosodic readers become because our brains need the pauses and pitch changes to store meaningful chunks of text in our working memories. This is fascinating. Now for pet tax, here are my picks of rescue pups, Coco, who's the black Shih Tzu pug mix, and Gus, the fluffy poodle Maltese, boss of our house. Thank you for keeping us informed and hopeful. I also love cleanup on Jack. You two ladies are fab. What a cool thing. That the whole that's awesome. I know. That's actually a dissertation that I'm like, I totally understand what she's talking about, <laughs> and I'd be interested in reading it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's amazing. Look at these cute puppers. So cute. Pepperonis. Thank you, Maria. That's fantastic. What a cool dissertation subject. All right. Next up, Rum Ham, pronouns he and him, longtime listener, first time caller, <clears throat> writer. Thank you, ladies, for keeping this blue dot in the crimson sea of Kansas politics entertained and informed. I'm a veterinarian by trade, and I enjoy listening to you guys guess dog breeds. <laughs> Do you? <laughs> yeah, you enjoy laughing at us. Uh, today, I offer my expertise to help another pod submission. Hercules, the stuffed non-oxalotl potato bunny, is a chinchilla. Ah! Chinchillas are common pet rodents native to the Andes Mountains. They love the chilly high altitudes, so they have developed an extremely dense coat that is known for its incredible softness. To maintain such a stunning coat, they clean themselves using fine dust baths. It's adorable to watch. I have seen I, this. I'm also just laughing at Potato Bunny. Yes. I still think chinchilla should be Potato Bunny. <laughs> potato Bunny. <laughs> have you ever seen a chinchilla take a dust bath? It's the cutest thing you ever did see. Pod Pet Tax is half of my fur clan. Jinx, Aww. googly right eye. And Richard, no right eye. Both foster fails. I couldn't load my pick of cat Jazz as her and her dog, uh, the the Corgi Border Collie mix for some reason. But on a final note, thank you for creating a community of safe self-expression. Like many of my contemporaries, I've dealt with immense shame and guilt of various aspects of my sexual identity. I still don't know what the fuck I am, but I do know I'm okay with that for now. Cheers. Love that rum. Rum okay. cam. So, and I'm sorry. I know I should not be laughing. <laughs> no, you that should. cat's eye has something better to do than be part of the picture. <laughs> and the other cat just has one and his people's massively die. It's just, it, this is just poetry in a photo. <laughs> These are the coolest cats. Oh, oh thank you so much for that. <laughs> That's such a great submission. Thank you. Oh. All right. This is from Wilson pronouncing him. Another game. Are you afraid of this tardigrade? <laughs> yep. Her DG freak out on the house centipede and laugh the rest of the morning. When I first started listening, I used to skip the good news section. I was too busy. But now I look forward to starting each day with a smile. Thank you so much. Pet pet for pet 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 pet
Yeah. For pet tax, here are my niece's three babies, Indy, oldest and closest, Pam at the top, and newest Loretta in protected middle. And since DG liked the baby in the bucket idea, here's my nephew's daughter, Thanksgiving potato. No, they did not cook her. And uh, (laughs) listen, I love this baby (laughs) in just a pot ready to go. Look at that face. It's so cute. The hat, like a tongue out a little bit and then the big wooden spoon. So cute. These dogs are adorable too. Thank you so much. Oh my God. (laughs) 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 This photo in the next submission. Holy shit. From Patrick, pronouns he and him. I'm glad I found your YouTube channel as you put such a wonderful spin on the day's events. I think I will always hear jelly beans, jelly beans in your opening lyrics because that's what I heard the first time I listened. Here's a couple of photos of Dexter, my chihuahua. The first was a picture that made me fall in love with him. The second is him blending in with our rug. Look at this. Oh my God, this chihuahua. So cute. He's so cute. His little, His little paws all turned in. Yes. So ah, great. So good. All right. This last one's from Stacy. It's a quickie. Pronouns she and her. Just a quick misheard lyric. Years ago, a friend of mine insisted that the lyrics to Deep Purple Smoke on Water were really slow motion Walter, fire engine guy. <laughs> Instead of smoke on the water and fire in the sky. It's slow, slow motion, motion Walter, Walter, fire engine guy. Fire engine guy. <laughs> it still makes me smile. Why is that so funny to me? Oh, God, you're giggly today. Slow motion, Walter, fire engine guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's so goofy and fantastic and perfect. Thank you, Stacey. And thank you to all of you for sending in your good news this Friday afternoon. No Patreon meetup today uh, for happy hour, but we will be probably maybe having one in Manhattan live. Uh, so check your inbox there. I don't know. The RSVPs might be closed by the time you hear this episode. But uh, anyway, thank you so much uh, for being a patron. If you are, if you want to become one, patreon.com slash wrote. We really, really appreciate everything that you do for us. You make this show possible. You help with all of our production and our crew and everything that we do behind the scenes. So we couldn't do it without you. Thanks for supporting independent journalism. Do you have any final thoughts today, my friend? I do, AG. If there's anyone new listening to the pod or maybe someone missed my announcements of my shows or maybe they stopped early on the podcast and they didn't this time, I've got some comedy shows coming up in addition to my galas. So I've got two in Florida. The first one is January 28th. It's a Sunday and that's at the Tampa Funny Bone. It used to be the improv Tampa Funny Bone. It's a matinee at 4 p.m. You can get tickets on my website. Uh, the second one is actually going to be in Bend, Oregon. If you're in Central Oregon, anywhere near there, Portland, Eugene, Bend, I hope that you will come in. It's a massive ski week. It's an LGBTQ plus and allies, but I'm uh, doing a comedy show Friday night, March 8th. Again, you can get solo tickets to my show on my website. And then the third one is going to be my birthday, and that's April 12th. I'm going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida at the Sunshine Cathedral. And so if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, I would love for you to come spend my birthday with me. Tickets are again on my website. And then, of course, you can attend many of the HRC galas or the uh, uh, Lambda Legal galas or the Child Rescue Coalition galas that I'll be doing, and those are also going to be linked to my website. So I hope to see some of the Beans family on the road. 
Yeah. And if you're in D.C. and a patron on April 20th, uh, Dana will be there uh, with us uh, having our little meet and greet. And the thank you uh, for to all of our patrons with uh, we're going to treat you to dinner and drinks and cocktails and mocktails and all that stuff. Um, and that is, of course, pending, uh, you know, a, a, a gala coming up because, you know, we know that you have to definitely um, make those a priority. But uh, so far, so good. So Looks far, like so good. Either. So that's on 420. Sweet. All right, everybody. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I will be traveling, but you will still get, I promise, you will still get the episode of Jack on Sunday. You may not get, patrons may not get the weekly beans wrap up. I'll do my best to make that happen. Um, the cleanup bonus for patrons of that podcast, that is already recorded in the can. You will get that as well. So I look forward to you being able to hear those things. So everybody have a wonderful weekend. We'll be back in your ears Monday. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn-in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane, and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler, how much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary. They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes. And they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, Show me, in a courtroom, how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. So you have a man in Armani suit standing in the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th, or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.